Eagles Entertainment. With the 15th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and day one of Senior Bowl practice is officially in the books from Mobile, Alabama. We're going to start things off with pick six, where Dane Brugler, my friend, is going to drop by to break down the six players that stood out most to him over the first day of practice. We took in American practice, national team practice. We're going to break it all down. Dane's got his top six players from the day. We'll break it all down at the very top of the show. After that, we're going to go into our draft mailbag segment where C-Mac and I, Chris McPherson, we're going to break down a bunch of your questions that... Uh, you submitted in on Twitter, but also we got a couple of takeaways from C-Mac and I as well. So we'll get into all of that in draft mailbag. As always, make sure you head on over to our Apple podcast page. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you're not already, make sure you hit that subscribe button and you get the Journey of the Draft podcast sent to your podcast device each and every time we drop a new episode. So that said, excited to get things started here. Breaking down all the action from Mobile, Alabama. It's time for Pick 6 with Dane Brugler. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, excited to start things off here with Pick 6 as I welcome in our friend Dane Brugler. Dane, uh, the Senior Bowl is underway. A little bit more of a normal year this year. You uh, you obviously were here last year. I took the year off uh, due to COVID-19 in 2021. But uh, excited to be back in Mobile. Excited to be uh, talking through day one of practice with you. Yeah, no doubt. And it's after the last uh, you know few days of meetings and uh you know different networking things it's fun just to be in the stadium uh watching practice watching the on-field action and you know this is why we come down to mobile every year is to see these guys in action on the field um you know i thought several guys helped themselves uh it, it was a good first day of practice and hopefully hopefully we have a couple more uh as the week progresses yeah, some rain in the forecast here for the next couple of days. Hopefully things uh, are able to stay dry enough for us to be able to take in practice. Uh, but that said, let's get into what we saw here on Tuesday afternoon. Six players uh, that stood out to Dane Brewer. We'll start with number one. Who's the, the first name that pops to your mind? I think I got to go with Travis Jones, uh, the defensive Thanks. tackle from UConn, who, you know, just a monster human being. Uh, six, four and three eighths, 326 pounds. 34 inch arms. And, you know, I think when you think of this draft and you think of uh, a two gapper who is dominant versus the run, everyone's going to think of that, you know, Jordan Davis from Georgia, who is not here. But if you want a guy like that on day two, Jones might be your guy. And he showed why during practice today, big bodied player. You see that play strength. It's, it's a developed play strength. He's quick off the ball. He's powerful at the point of attack. So he showed not only the ability to anchor versus the run, and you know blockers aren't moving him, but also he gave, got a little bit of push uh, on on you know pass rushing reps. And so Travis Jones, I thought was kind of a, a man amongst boys at times during one on ones and during team drills. I thought he really helped himself. He, I know I did not watch the O-line, D-line one-on-ones, but in team, he did have a couple of run stops at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that's I was actually glad that you brought that up because I was going to ask you, in which drill was he most impressive to you? Yeah, I think all around, it was just a strong day for him. And, and you know, you it's tough for a player like this. This is why the Senior yep. Bowl is just a great opportunity because, you know, at UConn, uh, you know, he didn't necessarily get to show this all the time. And so being down here in this type of setting – he's really able to shine. And, you know, I, UConn's got a couple of draftable players this year, and Travis Jones has a legitimate chance to be a day-two pick. 
Yeah, I think when you look at his body of work, everyone was really excited about Travis Jones coming into the year. He did not play a year ago because UConn opted out of the entire season uh, as a team. They just said, you know, as a team, they, they completely just bowed out. Uh, so kind of an interesting case study here uh, with Travis Jones, uh, as you mentioned, big year for a big opportunity for him here this week. Uh, who's number two on your list? Uh, I'm going to go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Jeremy Ruckert uh, from Ohio State, the tight end, 6'5", 250. And, you know, I think that not enough is being made of the possibility that this could be tight end one in this draft. Mm. I think he, there's a legitimate race when you talk about, uh, you know, the Colorado State, you talk about Texas A&M, you talk about the tight ends in this class. It's a really, in terms of depth, a really strong group, it position is, yep. group. But I think at number, at the top guy, the first tight end drafted, it's not set in stone. I think there's some, you know, some really good contenders there. And Jeremy Rucker, he's right up there. And I think he showed why during – during practice, uh, really smooth routes, really smooth catching the football. Uh, he's he's bigger than you know Trey McBride and some of these other tight ends that are down here. Uh, he showed off the ball skills. Now it's something you know coming from the Ohio State offense where uh, you know they use the tight end a lot, but just not in the passing game as as a target. I mean, he's used as a blocker quite a bit. And down here, he's able to show these ball skills. Uh, there's one throw from Carson Strong that was at a sh- you know shoe uh, shoe tops. He pulled it up. Outstanding catch. Finished it to the ground. Yeah, they, the body control, the ball skills, the focus. I mean, he showed that. And, you know, there were several other opportunities where he was able to uh, break free from uh, coverage, give the quarterback a window. So, I, you know, I think he's a player that has a chance to be a top 50 pick. And I think he'd be right there and contend for that tight end one designation. When you talk about guys able to help their stock, a case like Ruckert, where uh, he wasn't used in that area all that often, where it could be a defensive lineman who now can get after the quarterback and just uh, rush the passer, a running back in pass protection, a linebacker in coverage. You can go down the list at different positions, uh, but a tight end being put on display to be able to catch the football, huge, huge opportunity for Ruckert this week. Uh, and I agree, I agree uh, really stood out in a number of the reps here, uh, catching the football here on Tuesday. Let's get to number three. Who's number three on your list? Dominique Robinson uh, from Miami of Ohio, the pass yep. rusher, uh, who, you know, again, uh, uh, another great story. Uh, quarterback in high school goes to Miami of Ohio as a wide receiver. And uh, 2020, during the pandemic, he transitions to pass rusher. Zero starts on his resume, but he comes down here to Mobile and he looks like a guy that has uh, is going to contend for the top 100 picks. Uh, twitched up athlete, and, and he showed it during during practice. Burst off the snap. Uh, he challenged the corner on every single play. You see bend. You see body control. You see dip. You see all the different ways he can maneuver his body and beat blockers. It, it, that was on full display today. He's an older player. He's going to be 24 years old during the summer. Uh, but in terms of football years, in terms of defensive football years, he's still very young. He's still figuring things out. Uh, which which makes him really intriguing as a prospect, and you know you saw the athleticism today. It's you know for a six four and five eight, two hundred and fifty four pounds. So he looks the part. He doesn't look like a former receiver trying to play pass rusher. He looks like a pass rusher who's been doing it for uh, you know a long time. And so Robinson during practice, he looked like he belonged and looked like a guy that was ready to kind of make a name for himself. He, I didn't again. I didn't watch the O line D line, but the the in team drills. 
he popped. I mean, he had a couple of those wins so fast, uh, which I mean, you, you would you would expect for a guy with his athletic profile. But uh, as you mentioned, this is a, a, a very much a developmental player. Zero starts along the defensive line over the course of his career. He kept came off the bench the last two years as kind of a situational pass pass down only player. Um, but he's got he's got the, the juice to be able to get after the quarterback, uh, and he showed that here today. A, re, a really good showing there um, from Robinson. Let's get to number four. Uh, so again, from the first practice, uh, go with Zion Johnson, who is one of the best players down here. Uh, simple as that. It was interesting. They played him at center and this is a position he's never played before. Uh, he played, uh, guard, he played tackle in college, uh, but he had never played center. And so there were a few miscues in terms of snapping the football and, uh, just the whole mechanics of playing center. But I thought that he, did pretty well considering he's never played the position. And then during one-on-ones when he was at guard, I thought he was outstanding. He was one of the few guys that was able to slow down Travis Jones, who we just talked about from UConn. Uh, the play strength is outstanding. And you see that length. I mean, he came in at six, two and three quarters, 314 pounds, but almost 34 inch arms. He has the, the, the length of, you know, a tackle, but he's able to use that at guard and use that uh, against some of the more powerful defensive tackles that he goes against. Uh, you know, Zion Johnson, I just, you know, you, you look at his journey uh, at playing one, basically one year of high school football, going to Davidson, uh, that triple option offense they ran there, non-scholarship, uh, transfers to BC uh, so he could be on scholarship. And he just really came into his own uh, at the FBS level, playing against better competition. He's coming down here and he's one of the best players in this game, one of the best seniors uh, in this draft, has a chance to be a first round pick. And I, I think nothing happened today to really change that thinking. He absolutely looks the part. I mean, just to look, watch him, uh, you know, the, the way that he's put together, you talked about his length. Uh, he, he really looks good on the hoof. Uh, I want to ask you too, you talked about Zion Johnson getting those looks at center. Uh, Luke Gedeke from Central Michigan, yeah. uh, he also got some looks at center as well. I know he left practice early uh, with an injury, but uh, we saw this last year with guys like uh, Robert Hainsey. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we've seen a, a couple other linemen over the years get those looks at center. There were a couple balls on the ground today with the, the QB center exchange, um, but good to be able to see these guys get those reps uh, here in some live action. It's just not a strong uh, center group this year. right? Uh, yep. And so because of that, we are seeing some guys uh, try to show their versatility. Um, Cole Strange, uh, another one from Chattanooga, sure. who, uh, you know, not a natural center or that's just not his background, but uh, he stepped in and you got to get to respect the no gloves. Uh, looked, looked, looked great out there. Uh, and, and, you know, he, I thought Cole strange, I, I could have easily, you know, picked him as one of one of the six today. I thought he handled himself pretty well. There were a few times, you know, especially at center where, you know, Travis Jones got the best of him or, you know, maybe it just wasn't perfect, but he's a guy that uh, he's a brawler out there. And you know, another guy with a great story, he was at call or a high school defensive end who, moves the offensive line in, in, at college at Chattanooga, and you throw on his Kentucky tape uh, th- this past year, and it's like, okay, I, I see why he's at the senior bowl. I see why this is a chance to be a player's draft in the first four rounds. Uh, you know, I think if there's a if there's a, Quint, a Quinn Miners here this year, uh, you know, who last year from Wisconsin-Whitewater kind of blew up and moved up three or four rounds for some teams, if there's a guy like that in this draft, it might be Cole Strange. Let's get to number five. Uh, who's number five on your list here? Uh, so let's move to the afternoon practice. And you know what? I'm going to go with the running back. And it's it's tough for these running backs, like we've talked about, to really uh, stand out. But I thought Damian Pierce from Florida was yep. able to do that. And Definitely. 
look, it, this is not going to come as a surprise to any, that anybody that's watched Pierce's college film, but he was running with attitude, all practice, every single rep. Uh, and, you know, you, you during these drills, he was consistently on schedule. And that's something with running backs is sometimes uh, with, you know, especially in the first practice, uh, just the cadence, the timing of of these drills, running backs, you know, might be a little bit off. Pierce was always on schedule. He's flying through holes, delivering pop at contact. And then most importantly for backs during the senior bowl, I thought he did a really nice job in pass pro drills, setting his feet, framing the rusher, staying connected. He has that NFL build. He's 5'9", 220, but because he is 5'9", he's able to leverage that point of attack, stay underneath blocks, and create a little bit more, uh, and not just anchor, but create a little bit of knockback as well. So I thought Damian Pierce really uh, did a nice job in the first practice. Do you think it's fair to say that this group of running backs here in Mobile is one of the better ones since you've been coming? I, I think I would I would say that about, you know, I've been coming to the Senior Bowl since uh, 2012 now. And I feel like this is one of the better groups from top to bottom uh, of talent at the running back position. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And, you know, we had a few guys, you know, even like a, like a James Cook is not here, not able to play. Hassan ha- uh, Haskins, not able to play. But Brian Robinson, you know, Damian Pierce, uh, I thought Abram Smith looked good today from, uh, from Baylor. Rashad White from Arizona yep. State. Uh, Beatty from Missouri. So, yeah, I think you're right. It is a good group of, of running backs and, and a group of running backs that can – do some different things, you know, Beatty catching the ball of the backfield. And, uh, you know, I thought Abram Smith did a nice job in pass pro. So, uh, you know, throw Quan uh, White in there as well uh, from South Carolina. No uh, it, it definitely an interesting group of backs. All right, well, let's round it out. Who's uh, number six on your list here? All right, so I maybe I saved the best for last. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, um, it, he just looked like, uh, it, you know, a, a guy that wants to be a, a top 15 pick in this draft uh, during during the first day of practice. Six four and three eighths, two hundred fifty nine pounds, uh, almost thirty four and a half inch arms. Relentless power, relentless attitude uh, during reps today. It's clear that he knows what he's doing out there. He's not just a, a a ball full of skill and traits, just kind of throwing everything out there. He, he, there's nuance to what he was doing. There's natural instinct to his pass rush. Uh, love the way that he plays behind his punch. So he allows that length to work for him. And then he'll, he'll break out a power rip. He'll, he'll break out a, a long arm move. Uh, he's got an effective spin move. So when you put it all together, the length, the power, the quickness, I, if you're a blocker in space and one-on-ones, you just say a prayer uh, before you go up against Jermaine Johnson and one-on-ones. Cause he is, he is that dude in this draft. And I, I think coming into this week, uh, Trevor Penning was my top ranked player. Bernard Raymond was number two. Jermaine Johnson was number three. Johnson played like a guy that read that tweet was like, really three. Okay. <laughs> just, just, just wait. Uh, and he, he wants to be one on that list. And based on one practice, uh, you know, I'd say he's, uh, doing a nice job trying to, trying to prove, uh, prove me wrong. And then the uh, the practice ended today with uh, Deuce Daly, the, the head coach of the, the Detroit Lions of the American team, uh, having some high leverage one-on-one reps where he pit, pitted uh, Jermaine Johnson going up against DK Kennard uh, from Kentucky. And uh, Johnson got the better end uh, of those reps with, uh, with all eyes in the stadium on those two. Yeah, and credit to uh, Kennard because that, that last rep, he, he did his job resetting yep. and, um, you know, Kennard really wants to stay at tackle. Uh, you know, he played, I think, I think every rep at tackle so. today, yep. uh, none a guard, uh, which is notable. And so he he wants to be a tackle. And I thought 
Um, you know, there that last drop, he did a nice job, but yeah, Johnson, and there's just so much, so much you can do. And especially in those one-on-one situations where, uh, a guy like Johnson can beat you in so many ways, whether it's with power, with quickness, uh, you know, un- unlock that length that he has. And so, yeah, Jermaine Johnson, he, he started strong, finished strong. Uh, we'll see if he can sustain it throughout the week. Well, it's be something very interesting to talk about. Jermaine Johnson, uh, certainly one of the brighter stars uh, down here in Mobile. Dane, uh, thanks so much. And we will talk to you uh, tomorrow uh, here on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, well, time to wrap the show up with our draft mailbag as I welcome in uh, Chris McPherson, C-Mac. Uh, day one of practice in the books. We've already talked about it with Dane and with Brandon. Uh, get your thoughts here on the first day of practice down at uh, uh, Mobile. It's great for me because I'm coming in with a relatively clean slate. You hear some of the background stories on some of these guys, and you know that. And obviously, uh, you and Dane and Ben have talked about some of these guys on the Journey to Draft podcast and the on the clock segments throughout the course of the season. But it's my first opportunity to see a lot of these guys, uh, you know, in action for the first time, especially uh, up close and personal, like we get to do here in Mobile. So basically, after practice ended, I put out a, a quick Twitter post, just solicited for a handful of questions, and I, I picked uh, some of the best ones and, and kept them for this segment. But I also want to ask you a couple of questions, and if you've got any questions, we can uh, we can kind of go back and forth here. But uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you first was: there one play from today's action uh, that stood out to you? And of course. Make sure all of our listeners go check out our practice notes, uh, which should be up uh, by the time you're listening to this podcast on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Uh, if you go to uh, the, the mobile app, any digital channel, you'll see uh, C-Mac and I posted our, our practice notes, our big takeaways. But uh, C-Mac, is there one individual play that stands out most to you uh, from Tuesday's uh, two sessions? I got to pick one. I'm going to go. Okay, let's go to the second practice, the afternoon practice. It's the American team in action I'm going to go with edge rusher Kingsley Enigbare, and he was absolutely dominant during the team period. Now, I don't know which guys you and Dane have discussed to this point, uh, but Enigbare, there was one rush where he's coming off the quarterback's line side, coming off the left, off the right edge of the defense, and he was in the backfield so quickly, he had to, like, literally stop. Like, it, it was one of those situations where he knew – now, we saw a little some instances in the earlier practice of the quarterbacks, you know, getting hit, getting a little too uh, close for comfort there with, with the pass rush. But on this instant, Enigbari knew immediately to pull up. He was just in the back backfield. He was like, I could pull out a chair, you know, watch the rest of the play from here. Um, that one stood out to me. I would also go to the end of practice, the competitive period they had at the very end where you had Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, and it was Darren Kennard of Kentucky. And on the very first snap, Johnson just flat out knocked Kennard to the ground. Now, they did end up doing three total reps in all. Uh, Johnson worked a spin move, and I thought he got the second rep. But on the third one, Johnson went back. It's almost like a cat and mouse. Which move is he going to go with? He went back to the spin move. Kennard held his ground. And they gave the offense the uh, the win for the sessions. So all the players on defense had to do push-ups at the end. So a couple of pass rush standouts uh, there. I'll, I'll let you go with your play of the day. I know you, you wanted one, and I was just kind of uh, 
going on there. You get no, you gave us you gave us a couple of plays there. I think the um for me, I spent a lot of the day watching uh wide receiver DBs. The way I typically approach uh senior bowl, obviously, look, as one person, you're not going to take in everything. And you know this, but for our listeners, um, you know, to me, like I think it's almost uh it's unfair to you, the listeners, to who aren't here to say that, that me as one person took in all of practice and you'll never see me write a piece where it's like the biggest winners and the biggest losers and risers and fallers because uh NFL teams that that's not the way they operate. We talked earlier this week on the show about how NFL teams go about uh try you you have one person that is in charge of watching a handful of players or one position group uh so to, for me to say like oh like, you know the, this is the the big winner or the big loser um you know we're we're never going to approach it that way uh but I think to me um you know I try and say okay today I want to focus in on skill guys on Wednesday I'm going to focus in on trench players on Thursday I'll focus in on the combo guys and just trying to approach it uh that way that said I spent most of today uh, watching wide receivers and DBs and uh, Tariq Castro fields, the cornerback uh, from Penn state, a former high school teammate, by the way, of Eagles cornerback, Zach McPherson uh, made an absolutely outstanding play down the field in wide receiver DB one-on-ones. He was beaten early on the play by Alec Pierce, who uh, he's got that long speed. This is the receiver from Cincinnati, big body kid who can, uh, who can run. And he was a a vertical threat for Desmond Ritter over the course of his career. Ritter or, uh, or, or Pierce ran a vertical route down the left sideline. He beats Castro Fields early, but as you talk about, at corner, it's about that competitiveness, that ability to recover. And I thought that Fields uh, did a nice job of not panicking Got into uh, got into the receiver's hip pocket, and at the point of truth, at, at the point where uh, the ball had just arrived at, at Alec Pierce's hands, you saw Fields go up take the ball away from Alec Pierce uh, and come down with it in the end zone. Just a ridiculous play uh, down the field uh, for the interception in the end zone. I was probably like a 30, 45 yard pass uh, down the field, just a a ridiculous play on the opposite side. So I'm excited to go back uh, and watch that one. But I would say that was the the play of the day for me uh, in the practice sessions that I took in. What did you describe it? The point of truth? Uh, the point of truth uh, when you're talking about the uh, the, the receiver uh, or rather the corner when he's you've got that a bit because we all know what it looks like when a corner uh, doesn't get his head around uh, in time or there are times where the corner gets his head around too early right so uh, that timing is is really really obviously really really important uh, and to me the, I, I almost will always call that uh, the point of truth where it's like all right this, this is going to determine uh, the outcome of this play uh, I thought Castro Fields played that very very well. I like that. I have a note from Castro Fields in seven on seven with a nice pass breakup along the sideline on a pass intended for Christian Watson mm. from North Dakota State as well. So nice uh, outing for Castro Fields there overall in the day. All right. Well, let's get to uh, our first Twitter question. This one comes from Ben McArdle. Uh, questions is any hints of someone who is climbing draft position uh, even after just one day? So again, uh, going back to what I said a little bit earlier, uh, I want, I'm not going to say, oh yeah, this guy, his stock is rising based off what he did today. Uh, these handful of reps uh, for me, C-Mac, um, one, one pair of players I, I wanted to kind of point to uh, the national team. They've got a couple linebackers there that I thought really stood out. Chad Muma uh, was working as the middle linebacker with that first unit, Troy Anderson from Montana State. Uh, he was working uh, as the the Sam linebacker when they went into base. He he was like the second team Mike, and you saw him kind of calling the defense as well. But I thought Chad Muma and Troy Anderson showed up in a lot of different ways. There were a lot of perimeter run plays uh, from that offense, and I thought Muma and Anderson did a great job of uh, staying square to the line of scrimmage, tracking. You saw some really good run throughs from Muma uh, running through the alley. You saw Anderson playing through contact. So those two linebackers uh, kind of living up to the billing. We talked about them a lot. Over 
over the last few weeks leading up to this event. And I thought Chad Muma and Troy Anderson uh, really showed up well. So uh, in terms of guys that I just kind of flashed to me, uh, that would be my answer to that question. I don't know if you've got somebody uh, as well. I do. I want to follow up on Muma real quick. I actually got to ask him after practice about what it's like coming to an all-star game where you're coming from a smaller school in Wyoming and you have to take charge, be that leader, that captain of the defense, just like that. Okay. Cause these guys have just had some, you know, a day or two to kind of get familiar with one another, going through some meetings. And he said, you just have to be the guy and you, you can't be afraid that if you see something that's not right in the alignment or you see something that's not being done correctly, don't be afraid to point out, we're all trying to get better. We're all trying to win. And he said that that's the take charge approach you have to have if you're going to be in the middle of that defense. So uh, obviously a big week for him because he's going up in that stage, going up in the round, so, uh, so to speak, up in weight class, I guess you could say. Uh, so just definitely an interesting note on movement there. But a nice note from, from your standpoint about what he did on the field today. Was there a, were there any like anecdotes from post pros practice player availability that stood out? Was there one in particular that uh, kind of caught your ear? Muma was good. Uh, Sam Howell, North Carolina quarterback, you know, he's someone who lost two running backs and two receivers to the draft last year. And he said that that, you know, kind of put some added pressure on him and it forced him to feel like he had to do more in the offense. And instead of just staying within himself and doing his job, he w- he felt pressed uh, throughout the course of the 2021 uh, season. So uh, it was interesting to hear that standpoint of, of how he approached his final year on campus. Uh, one player who I enjoyed hearing from was Jalen Tolbert, wide receiver from South Alabama. You noted he had a big play uh, earlier in the day, and, and this is his home stadium. He didn't have to go very far for the senior bowl, but it was interesting hearing him obviously talk about, you know, like Muma going up a weight class and taking on this different level of competition, but you would enjoy getting to talk with him. And I hope when we have the media breakfast on Wednesday, you take the opportunity to, because he was asked, you know, what's your favorite play? What's your favorite route to run? And he he goes into what's the situation? What's the down and distance? What's the coverage? What's the, you know, it's like he wasn't going to make it simple. And you could tell that he's a, an X's and O's junkie. So uh, definitely hope that you get some time to spend with him this week to get to chat with him. But following up on, uh, you know, who stood out, I don't know about improving stock, but a player who flashed, I'm going to stick with edge rushers here with an interesting backstory that I know that you've shared with, with fans on the podcast, Dominic Robinson, Miami of Ohio, you know, I was just watching the O-line D-line one-on-ones and you're just seeing number 11, just flash off the edge off both sides, comfortable coming off the right edge, coming off the left edge, uh, just a lot of juice coming off the edge. And then in team drills uh, later on, know that he paired to be able to create pressure in the backfield to help uh, generate a sack. So Someone who doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, as a pass rusher, started his college career as a wide receiver, was a starting wide receiver at Miami of Ohio, making the transition. And I think you said he, he's never started uh, at, at edge rusher, but uh, definitely, you know, showing the tools that are going to make teams take a step back and think to themselves, we might have something in, in a sub-package rusher here. So very intrigued there by uh, Dominique Robinson from what I saw in practice. Yeah, Robinson uh, had himself a day. We talked about him a little bit earlier uh, with Dane. Um, Dane gotcha. just a, a really impressive outing uh, from a guy that ha- hasn't played a ton uh, along the defensive lines. So this week, obviously a huge opportunity. Uh, let's get to the back to the offensive side of the football. Good question here from Tomcat78, 1978. And the question is, what quarterback shined and has the chance of upping their draft stock? And obviously that's going to be one of the big questions 
surrounding the week. And uh, kind of based on what we said earlier in the segment, I thought C-Mac, it was a, uh, a funny uh, little like three or four minute stretch for me uh, sitting and watching the second practice. And uh, it was the American team. So the quarterbacks were uh, Malik Willis, Sam Howell and Bailey Zappi. Um, and I had a media, you know, when you're sitting in the stands at the senior bowl and watching practice, uh, you know, people are, are coming and going all the time. So, you know, some people sit down, they sit, spend a few minutes with you uh, and you go, I like to stay stationary and stay put, but a lot of people are mobile. They're trying to bounce around, talk to a lot of different people. And so you have one person will come up and point to a quarterback and say, Oh, Malik Willis, he's a, he's having a hell of a day, huh? The ball really pops. He's had a couple of really good throws, and then he gets up and walks away. And then you have somebody else to come over after Malik Willis said there's an incompletion and say, oh, Malik Willis, he's really struggled in some of the throws that I've seen, right? Like to, to look at a quarterback uh, after a few throws and say, oh, this guy had a great day. And some, some people will say, oh, this guy had a rough day. They have like 60, 70, you know, 80 throws in a given practice. Uh, they're going to base it off of, you know, five, 10 throws that they saw and say, oh, this guy was really good or really, really bad. And I think it's kind of a, a really good microcosm uh, of what we're talking about here uh, with some of these, the, the big takeaways. But um, I will say that when you look at Malik Willis, the ball just pops out of his hand. I would say the same thing, Carson Strong, uh, both guys, the, the, they threw it really, really well today. When you look at velocity and the arm strength aspect of things, I thought Kenny Pickett uh, was probably the most even of all all the quarterbacks, but uh, I think you could see uh, some, some of the traits really kind of rise to the top there uh, with Willis and with Strong. Yeah, I agree with that. With, with Willis, there was uh, two plays back-to-back that I noted. Uh, one, he showed the ability to get to the edge, throw the ball on the run, you know, be able to create out of the pocket, and that's something that he showed time and time again at Liberty. On the very next play, he's in the pocket. Pocket gets a little muddy, gets a little pressure, and he didn't set his feet correctly. And the throw was off, and uh, it was Cam Taylor Britt from Nebraska uh, should have come up with the interception. Or was very close to coming up with the interception, and it just shows those are like the little finite details that he has to work on. Uh, Carson Strong lives up to uh, the billing when it comes to arm strength. He was willing to showcase it with throws 45, 50 yards down the field. Um, yeah, I, I thought Billy Zappi had had some good throws, some tightrope throws uh, into close windows. You know, so I, I thought we saw some good things across the board. I agree with you on, on Pickett. Uh, but overall, it seems like what we expected from these quarterbacks coming into the event. I would say too that I would say one of the things that I think people think about Pickett is like, oh, he's uh, you know pocket passer that doesn't really have a strong arm. Like, oh, he's he's kind of a gamer. And- he, the ball comes out of his hand pretty good. He had some really nice throws in the middle of the field today. There was a, a deep dig off play action uh, that he threw. The, you know, the ball comes out of his hand pretty good. So um, they, it's, I would not say that he's got like a cannon for an arm, but uh, he, he doesn't have a weak arm either. I think when you look at Kenny Pickett, he, he can make I, I thought throw. it's what you said. I, even in the warmups, I was like, he's putting some zip on the ball. I'm like, I wonder if he's trying to prove a point. Because everyone, mm. he, you know, it's like you have to see the other quarterbacks, you know, lining up next to him. Carson Strong, it's kind of like, all right. Carson Strong is known to have the strong arm. I got to come out and show something here. So uh, I thought definitely early on he was trying to put some heat on those throws to showcase that he does have a live arm. I like that. All right, well, let's get to uh, the next one here. This one comes from uh, at EaglesDad73. Said, who is today's most impressive wide receivers and pass rushers? Well, we talked through uh, some of the pass rushers. We haven't talked through many of the receivers yet, C-Mac, and I don't know if there were any guys that, that stood out to you. Um, for me, I was, I'll pick one from each team. Uh, a guy that stood out for me with the national squad, North Dakota State wide receiver Christian Watson, I thought was the, the most uh, even of the receivers with that group. Uh, number one, really looks the part. Uh, I think when you talk about a guy that's well put together, uh, 6'3", 
three, uh, even came in at the weigh-ins and over 200 pounds. He moves well. He got in and out of breaks well. The ball rarely hit the ground, uh, was targeted a ton, both in team and in uh, individuals. I thought Watson had a good day. And then uh, with the American squad, uh, you're talking about different ends of the spectrum from a body type standpoint, you know, Christian Watson, 6'3", 200 plus. Uh, Calvin Austin is like 5'7", 170, uh, somewhere in that range. I mean, he is he is small, but man, he battles really well. They did a lot of like blocking drills with the receivers and corners uh, with that practice, and he competed really, really well. Uh, I know he had some good reps against McCreary. He had some good reps against Camp Taylor Britt, right? Some of the more physical corners uh, on that squad, but then also the ball never hit the ground with him, and he's one of the more dynamic pass catchers uh, here in attendance. He's talking about guys that have top speed. Uh, he's got that ability to pull away. So uh, a couple of receivers there um, that, that really stood out. Honestly, when you look at this receiver group, the more uh, impressive guys, in my opinion, are the guys that come outside of the power five. It's like uh, you're seeing, you know, Memphis and North Dakota State. You get you talked about Jalen Tolbert earlier, who had an outstanding catch down the field uh, on a go ball down the right sideline. It was kind of drew some uh, oohs and ahs from the crowd right in his home stadium. So uh, you talk about guys that outside of the Power Five, well represented here at the receiver group at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I agree with you on Watson. I, I think he's listed at six four. There were some articles that thought he might be six five, and it's like if he could move like that at six four, six five, but he came in at a true six three, and, and which is still pretty big. Like six three is a good size. Big, fluid. Uh, just in the individual warm up period, you could see him running the breaks and getting in and out of his breaks cleanly. Um, I would say those Watson was one who flashed to me. There wasn't really anyone else that, that really jumped out to me here from, from the wide receiver standpoint. Yeah. You did a lot. You did a lot of the edge work and that was the next question we got was, uh, at walk underscore FF asking about the top edge rusher. Uh, we talked about Jermaine Johnson, Dominique Robinson, you mentioned Kingsley Anubari. So a bunch of guys standing. Uh, standing out uh, from the from that group, uh, Francesco De Sanctis uh, asked, "Who were the corners and wide receivers uh, that stood out most?" We've uh, we've talked through a couple of those already. What Watson and and, and Austin uh, at corner, Castro Fields uh, made some plays. I thought Cam Taylor Britt was really interesting. He did some really good things uh, from Nebraska. Um, I would say that I'm trying to think if there was anybody else uh, that really really stood out. McCreary did McCreary things in one on ones. Roger McCreary, one of the top uh, prospects here, uh, the corner from Auburn. Most people think uh, he will be a first-round pick. So I think when you look at uh, McCreary, uh, hard to think that he did anything to other than not stand out uh, this game. I don't know if there were any corners uh, that stood out to you, C-Mac, over the course of the day. The one I have a note here from Kobe Bryant, uh, mm. a nice pass breakup. There was a deep pass. Uh, it was Carson Strong going to his college teammate, Romeo Dees, yes. and, yep. and Kobe Bryant did a great job. A bit of a moon ball hanging up there a bit, but Kobe Bryant, you know, stayed with Dubes in coverage and was able to make the play to get the ball on the ground. Thought he did a good job there. Uh, a couple of the other linemen I want to touch on real quick. I don't know if we have any other uh, interior linemen for, for the defense or offensive linemen here. I haven't talked about them a whole lot. Sure. Um, but Zion Robinson, Boston College, uh, absolute just monster. Zion Johnson. Zion Johnson. I'm sorry, Zion Johnson. My fault. My fault. Zion Johnson, Boston College, uh, just absolute beast. You know, people don't know what a phone booth is anymore, but able just to stand up his man. uh, Once he got his hands on someone, not going anywhere, thought he was just real tough, you know, playing. He was playing the guard spots here. It is O-line, D-line, one-on-ones here. Uh, thought I worked tremendously on the inside because I believe you and Ben have talked about that he's been a tackle. He's moved back and forth from yep. tackle to guards, trying to find where he works best. Uh, just lock solid right there, rock solid there at the guard spot. So very impressed with him. UCLA's Otito Ogbonia, I thought, uh, was very powerful. You had an interesting comp when we were uh, talking about him during the course of practice. 
out there today? Yeah, uh, Johnson, I've I've talked about him a number of times. And the, the big thing that has always stood out to me is just how well he's built. But uh, I compared him to Shaq Mason uh, while studying him on film. Uh, this was a couple of years ago uh, at Boston College. Uh, Johnson, he's just he's just a really impressive player. Uh, he just does a, a lot uh, at a high level and um, really athletic, really strong. You know, we've had Brandon Thorne on in the past and he talked about how, uh, you know, he was one of his favorite linemen in this draft, um, you know, and the, showing off that versatility today, as we talked about earlier with Dane, uh, playing some center. Uh, I think that's been big for him uh, here this week and going to be big for him moving forward. Just that proved, uh, proven versatility, uh, the ability to play all, all three offensive line positions. Uh, a couple more questions here uh, that we got, C-Mac. Uh, this one comes from Makarov underscore who asks, uh, with Jaquan Brisker, the Penn State safety, apparently opting out of the senior bowl, who are the top safeties are and are any projected to go in the top two rounds? So I think the big thing to note is that not only did Brisker uh, choose not to come down uh, to this game, but also that you got to remember that uh, Brian Cook, uh, the, the star safety from uh, from Cincinnati, he also did not make the trip down. I think that, that was due to injury, as as, uh, as Jim talked about, Jim Nagy talked about earlier this week here on the show. So uh, they lose their top two safeties. I think when you look at the safety depth uh, in the senior class, uh, there's a lot of questions in terms of oh, like wh- how high are these guys going to get drafted? I would say Kirby Joseph for, by most analysts. I know Dane Brugler is really, really high uh, on Kirby Joseph from Illinois, uh, that he might be potentially the top safety. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see if any of those other guys kind of set themselves apart. I, I thought we saw some flashes from uh, Texas A&M's Leon O'Neill uh, today. He played with some really good energy. I think when you look at uh, Jalen Petrie from Baylor, he's a certain kind of player. He's played more on the box and in the slot uh, as opposed to playing deep, but uh, he's a player to keep an eye on. JT Woods, his teammate at Baylor, kind of that ball hawking uh, center fielder type. Uh, he has made some plays in coverage over the course of his career, and he did today. Uh, he had some nice flashes. Uh, other than that, you're talking about a lot of guys that are converted corners that potentially could make uh, that move. So uh, it'll be interesting to follow here at Makarov. It's, it's a good question uh, in terms of the safeties here at the Senior Bowl uh, and who is projected to go highly. Um, C-Mac, any other takeaways uh, from you from today before we uh, shut this one down from just uh, today's practice? No, I think we pretty much covered it. Um, you know, nice, nice work by, by the O-line, D-line. Again, a lot of those edge, edge guys it was, I was definitely impressed by. Um, we saw some good promising things from, from the quarterback. So some really good things overall to build on as we go into day two to see who can carry the momentum and do it on a consistent basis. That's going to be uh, intriguing to see. You want one more thing I have written down that I didn't bring up. Uh, Alante Taylor, the corner from Tennessee, who ironically enough, uh, we were just talking about safety. Some people think could make that move to safety. Uh, the book on Alante Taylor, um, really tough, physical, scrappy, uh, very, very competitive, very, very physical. Like that's, that's his uh, hallmark. That's what he hangs his hat on. He takes a lot of pride uh, in that part of his game also for what it's worth. But uh, when you talk about uh, Alante Taylor, uh, the question is, oh, does he have that long speed? Does he have that ability to, to play man to man? Like, is, is that going to be something that holds him back? from playing corner in the NFL. One of the things that I love about coming to the senior bowl, especially, you know, you get close to the field and you get a sense of uh, how these guys practice and how they kind of conduct themselves. Number one, not only was Alante Taylor, one of the, the first guys kind of leading a lot of those DB drills um, for that squad, but also uh, it was early on, it was, they were doing an individual drill uh, and the coach was getting ready to move them to the next drill. They were getting ready to start the next set of reps. And Alante Taylor had noticed that one of the guys had not taken a rep yet. And he kind of yelled over to the coach, hey, coach, 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 we, we need to get this guy a rep. And he was like, oh, you're right. Alante, good call, good call. Good. And, brought, and brought the guy in. So you're talking about uh, just, you know, getting a sense of it doesn't mean that, that, that just that one individual moment 
doesn't define a latte Taylor and say, oh, this guy is A plus plus plus, right? But it's just one of those little instances where like, all right, like that's something to just kind of file away. And as you get more information about a guy, get more experience, more uh, exposure to a player, it helps to paint the picture. Uh, and so those are the the kinds of things that I always appreciate from coming to events like this one. It reminds me of uh, after Devontae Smith was drafted and you go into the first team workouts after uh, after he joined the team and he's the first in line for wide receiver drills, like not wasting any time being the alpha in the room like he's lined up ready to go. Those are the, and those are the little things uh, that you try to pick up, you know, after a guy has a, has a great play, a bad play. How do they react? How do they interact with their teammates? Those are those are the little things that you're trying to pick up on during the course of the week. And those, again, that individual moment doesn't like make or break whether a guy is going to succeed or whether he's going to fail or is he this or is he that. But it's like it's just one other little thing to say, all right, like to help paint the picture uh, of the player. I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting takeaway there. I wanted to make sure I shared that uh, that little anecdote from early on uh, in practice. Last question here. And this is kind of big picture. And I thought this would be interesting to just kind of close the discussion on T. Bolt 10, the longtime listener, Taylor Bolton, uh, said uh, this question. You always talk about how there's no perfect coverage in football because if there was, then every team would play it. If teams have the talent and the fits uh, schematically to play pure man versus pure zone coverage, uh, of course, knowing that all teams already play some of both, which would be the preferred scheme? I ask because when it's when it seems that when scouting corners, the goal for a lot of people is to find long press corners, but the Eagles played mostly uh, too deep off zone coverage last year. So wouldn't a corner like Clemson's Andrew Booth, who played mostly off zone, be a better fit than, say, Ahmad Gardner uh, in the current scheme, Ahmad Gardner uh, from Cincinnati? Uh, Taylor, it's a, a really good question. It's obviously a big picture uh, kind of conversation. Without getting uh, too deep into the weeds here, I think the big thing to remember when you're talking about corners, uh, especially, especially corners, you know, we've had uh, so many scouts on every single week here on the podcast in our scout story segment. And especially with the defensive side, what what have we heard so often is you have to try and get a sense of uh, not just what a player was asked to do in college, but what can he do moving forward? So uh, if you look at Andrew Booth and say, okay, well, this year he played a lot of off zone coverage, does he have the ability? to play press zone? Does he have the ability to play press man? Can he play off man, right? Like you, you have to get that sense of uh, and the only way you can kind of answer that is A, you just keep watching more and more and more film or B, you put him through the paces uh, in, in a private workout or in the combine workout and try and glean as much information uh, as you can from those situations or in an all-star game setting like this one, right? But uh, even if you did say, hey, if all things are equal, if all things are perfect, you have all the right players to play man and all the right players to be able to play zone at the end of the day, even with a level playing field, there are still pluses and minuses to both. Right. And you can get very smart, accomplished, you know, winning coaches, defensive coaches, some of the best in the league and say like, Hey, like, do you want to play all man or do you want to play all zone? And you can get two completely different answers because uh, it's not just a schematic or a, uh, a trait based discussion. It's not just, Oh, well, if you don't have the guys to play man, you can't play man. It's also like, if you play a lot of man, well, you're going to see certain kinds of routes that attack man coverage. If you play a lot of zone, you're going to see a lot of different kinds of routes that attack the kind of zone coverage that you play. So even if you did say, hey, we've got all Jalen Ram, we've got five Jalen Ramseys uh, in the secondary, right? Well, you're still going to, if you want to play all man, you're going to, you're going to see a lot of man beating concepts and different ways to be able to get guys open against man. And that's when, whenever I say there is no perfect coverage, uh, that's really what I mean is that schematically there are ways to attack everything uh, that you do. And it works both ways. No matter what you do uh, in football, 
there's always an answer. There's always something uh, that can be your, uh, you know, your, uh, your antidote for what you're trying to bring to the table. And so um, it's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it uh, at corner, especially it's always a lot of fun. And you, again, you just have to remember that what a guy was asked to do, especially when you talk about cornerback techniques, I was actually talking with a coach today, um, you know, a defensive coach uh, at the college level in the stands and watching practice. And uh, we were just talking about it, you know, his team and, you know, how they played. And I asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, when, with your corners, do you give, them the flexibility to be able to, you know, kind of decide how off they're, how off the line of scrimmage they're going to play, or do you kind of dictate, Hey, on this play call with this kind of situation, we want you to be, uh, if you're playing off coverage, make sure you're within six yards. Or if you're, we want you to be pressed up on the line of scrimmage, or do you kind of give them the flexibility? He said, no, we give them the flexibility. Are, are there times where you have coaches uh, yelling, Hey, get a little tighter, get a little tighter. Sure. But you want to leave that up to the player and then they have they're playing, they have a better feel for where they want to be. So uh, you also have to remember that when evaluating these guys too, is that, um, you know, sometimes and it changes team by team. Some teams dictate how they want you to be able to play on a certain call. So, Something to watch there uh, as well. I thought that was a good question. Uh, I want to make sure we got that in there, C-Mac. Great question. I want to add, when you have, looking at the Eagles as they're currently constructed, and you have someone like a Darius Slay, and Darius Slay would go to the coaches, Jonathan Gannon, each week and be like, what do you need me to do this week? You know, it's nice to have a Darius Slay, someone of that upper echelon type of player that you could start your game plan and say, okay, what can we do with him? What do we need Slay to do? Because he could do a little of everything. And then kind of take it from there. And then you have someone who's willing, like Darius Slay is, to be able to go out there and whatever assignment. Do you want me to shadow someone? Do you want me to stay to his side? Do whatever. He's willing to do it, whatever he can to help the team win. And that's the thing. And I, I remember talking with Jonathan Gannon earlier this season uh, about Darius Slay. Uh, we talked about it was a discussion we had over on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast about, about Darius, about big play Slay. Uh, and the, the conversation circled around how when you have a corner that gives you that flexibility, Darius Slay is one of a handful of corners in the NFL that at a high, high, high level can play press man, off man, zone zone from press and uh, and, uh, uh, zone from off and be able to say, check all those boxes and do them all at a high, high level. Is he going to get beat? Yeah, he's going to, there are times you're going to get beat. You're playing corner uh, in the NFL, but when you are a corner and you have that, yeah, yeah, you can do all of those things. Oh, and you could tackle. Oh, and you could play in the ball in the air. Like there aren't a lot of those guys walking around. And so when you have a guy like Slay, uh, that gives that defensive coordinator a lot of flexibility and a lot of confidence uh, going into a game plan. And um, those guys, that's why those guys are so, so valuable. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. It's a, a good conversation to have. But uh, C-Mac, we've got a lot more action to break down here uh, over the course of the week. Hopefully uh, things stay dry. We talked about that earlier with Dane. Hopefully uh, things stay dry here the rest of the week. But uh, we'll be back tomorrow, hopefully, uh, on the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by LifeBrand.